Now, there was another uh, special event this past week. I hope some of you were able to enjoy that as well. On December 21st, we had the experience that's known as the Christmas star or uh, the Bethlehem star. And hope you got to see it. It was a beautiful night and a night where the two planets, uh, Jupiter and Saturn, align uh, as closely as they ever do. And it was the first time in uh, North America that at night these two planets aligned. It's 800 years. And so I was determined I wanted to see this. And I thought about what's the best place where we could go to see this incredible sight of Bethlehem star. And I thought that I had figured something out that no one else was aware of. So Susan and I, just a little past uh, sunset, came up on the fields of grace. And I thought, up there we'll be able to see and no one else will be around. Well, we got up there. There were probably 100 or 200 other people that decided that was uh, going to be the place to be because all around are fields of grace and out on the fields of grace, people were gathered, uh, some just with their phones, some with uh, telescopes, some with binoculars, looking at the amazing sight. And it truly was uh, tremendous. But while I was up there, I, something struck me that while this amazing event was taking place, not uh, seen in 800 years, and I saw the, all the people that were watching, you know, it seemed like life just went on, and there were people coming up and down Middlebrook, and of course, I'm sure, trying to get home in the midst of all the traffic. But it kind of struck me that in the midst of this very unique setting, this beautiful scene, uh, some people just in the busyness of life were missing this incredible experience of blessing. And I think the passage that Danny read for us this morning is a reminder of how if we're not very careful as followers of the Lord Jesus, we can get incredibly busy, so incredibly busy that we really don't take time to experience the true star of Bethlehem. Because the true star of Bethlehem is not shining in the night sky. The true star of Bethlehem was the baby in the manger who grew to be Jesus of Nazareth, who was the Son of God, our Savior, our Redeemer, our resurrected Lord and King. And if we're not careful... In our busy, busy lives, we are too busy to enjoy and experience the radiance in our souls of this star of Bethlehem. And so this morning, what I want us to do is look at this passage and be reminded of how important it is, friends, that we listen to the King. That in midst of very busy lives that we live, with lots of responsibilities, we never forget our greatest responsibility and our most wonderful of all opportunities, 
And that is to listen to the king as he is speaking. Now, it's interesting, if you look at this passage, of course, the Holy Spirit led Luke, who is the human author of this gospel, to bring many accounts from the life of Christ together. And the Holy Spirit led Luke to, at times, take events that seem to have nothing in common and put them side by side. Because by putting the two stories side by side and comparing them, it even doubles the message. And so you'll see that in this context. Uh, Danny began reading it from verse 38, but the passage just before that, that we considered a couple weeks ago, is the famous passage of the Good Samaritan. But do you remember how that passage Began. It began when someone stood up in the middle of Jesus rejoicing, interrupted him to argue with him about what is the greatest commandment. And it was out of that that the Lord gave the incredible message and the illustration of loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength our neighbors, ourself, and how that's all epitomized in the story of the Good Samaritan. Now there is an account of someone who stood up in the midst of Jesus' worship, interrupted him to argue with him. And now notice the next story that Luke is led by the Holy Spirit to include in his gospel is another moment but different when Jesus is teaching. <laughs> and in the midst of his teaching, one of his followers <laughs> stands up, steps forward to interrupt him in the middle of his teaching. And out of that interruption, the Lord gives an incredible lesson to us about how we become people who love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and our neighbor as ourself. How is it that we become those kinds of people who live for God and live for others? Well, that's the message that's given to us in this interruption of Jesus' teaching. Now notice... The whole story revolves around two sisters. We are blessed to have two sisters up here leading us in worship this morning. It's wonderful. We're so grateful for that. But here is a story, and it's a comparison between two sisters, and it's a very timely comparison because it's time-sensitive in its nature. The whole thing is about these two sisters... And how sensitive they were to what was most important with their time. Now, the two sisters are two typical sisters. They are united in family. One is named Martha. The other one is named Mary. They are sisters, but they're very different. Uh, one sister, Martha, is standing. <laughs> and she's active in this story. 
And then the other sister, Mary, is sitting and she's reflective. One is active, one is reflective. One, in this story, uses her time focused on sitting to listen. And the other sister uses her time to be focused about serving lunch. <laughs> Not sitting to listen, she's thinking about this meal that's got to be served. So there are two typical sisters Nothing unusual in this story to that point. But what we're going to see is these sisters are also two types of saints. They really represent for us in this natural story, they represent two types of saints. Because you have Mary, who is a sister. Her identity is sitting at Jesus' feet as a worshiper. The core of her identity is that she is a worshiper. But you have Martha, who is at the core of her identity, a worker. So here you have a comparison of two sisters, but also a comparison of two types of saints. One is a, a worshiper, <laughs> the other is a worker. Now let's stop here just for a moment. Because it's very important that there is no conflict in our minds because the conflict doesn't exist between worshiping and working. Both are very important according to God's word. Worship and working are not contrary to one another. Both are good. Worshiping is good. Working is good, according to the Bible. Both are taught in the Bible. Worshiping the Lord and working for the Lord. But now, friends, listen carefully. They are not equal in importance. That's the point. Worshiping and working are both important. They're both taught for us in the Bible. But they are not equally important important and that is the key lesson in this passage the key lesson here is about the importance the ultimate importance of worshiping now there's a danger here that's given to us in this analysis comparison of these two daughters that when our identities are fixed and focused on working for the Lord. That's how we identify ourselves, that we are first and foremost workers for the Lord. There's a danger inherent in that. And what is the danger? Well, now look at verse 40, if you would, in your Bibles. Here is the danger to a follower of Jesus whose identity is first and foremost a worker. Notice it says in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to 
help me. Now, the key here in verse 40 is this statement about Jesus, about Martha, rather. What was going on in her heart? She's a worker. She loves the Lord. But our identity is, first of all, as a worker. And she became distracted, the Bible says, with much serving. Now, the word here that Luke uses for distracted is peraespazazo, which means her attention began to wander. Wander. That, so the scene here is that, make sure you understand, Martha was in the room where Jesus was teaching. Martha was listening while Jesus was teaching, but something began to cause her mind to wander away from listening intently to the Lord. That's where the trouble began. In her mind, she became more concerned about what needed to be done than listening to what Jesus was saying. She began thinking about all of her responsibilities. And she looks at this room full of people, especially these hungry men who are followers of Jesus... And she has a responsibility as the head of the house to make sure that they are cared for. This is at the essence of who she is and what's considered to be appropriate in her culture. Nothing wrong with hospitality. But it distracted her from what was happening in the very front room of her house, the Son of God was teaching the Word of God. And she became distracted by the responsibilities that she had in her life. Now, notice what happens here. She became distracted, then she becomes frustrated. She becomes frustrated over the circumstances. That there's things to be done and, and there's responsibilities. And yes, this is important, but you know, there's, there's things that need to happen today. And so she begins to get frustrated about the circumstances. And next thing you know, she's frustrated that no one else seems to recognize this. She seems to be the only one that gets it. That we've got to have a meal here. We've got to take care of providing for our guest. And she's frustrated that no one else is thinking about this. Especially she's frustrated every time she looks at her sister Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. She wants to start thinking about what happens to happen in the kitchen. Maybe she walks over to the kitchen. She starts preparing a meal for Jesus and his disciples and the guests. But every time she looks in the room, she becomes fixated on Mary. There is her sister sitting, looking up at Jesus. And then her frustration goes from not just frustration about circumstances, not just frustration about other people, not just frustration about her sister, but now her frustration moves to Jesus. And she is so frustrated, she's so worked up, 
and worked up in her spirit by this distraction that she works herself into such frustration that she rebukes the Lord himself. Notice verse 40. Look at verse 40 carefully. I saw this week this verse, what it said, and I, I don't know if I've ever noticed before because I got an image I'd never had before. Verse 40 says, she went up to him. Notice that. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not carry? Are you not concerned or care that my sisters left me to do all this by myself? Tell her to get up and help me. Now think about this. This means that she had to cross the room. Uh, the, the room is crowded. She works her way through the room while Jesus is teaching, walks up to him in the middle of his message and rebukes him. Talk about a pin drop. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, I thought about how much more this would be if I was up here speaking on a Sunday morning and all of a sudden somebody shows up from back in the children's ministry and says, Pastor, don't you care that all these people have left us alone to work with these children? Tell some of them to get up and help us. Well, that would be a moment. And I'm not quite sure how I'd respond to that. Well, I probably got an idea. <laughs> not as well as our Lord did. One of his disciples walks up to him and rebukes him in the middle of his message to tell her sister to get up and help. Let me just stop here for a moment. You know, this might be happening right now. Certainly, I'm not the Lord, I understand that, but I'm sharing the Lord's message. And some may be already thinking about, hey, what about lunch? What are we doing for lunch? We got to do this. Or already thinking about tomorrow and responsibilities that you have. Maybe thinking about some cares and concerns. It's very natural to have these, but you see the distraction comes in so that we miss what the Lord may be saying. We are in the room, but our minds and our hearts aren't engaged. Now, listen to how gracious the Lord is. He gives a tender correction. This is the second thing I want you to see in this story. The Lord gives a tender correction. Verse 41, listen to it. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Now, notice, this is a tender correction. It's tender, you can hear it in the Lord's voice, and you can hear it in that he mentions her name, her first name twice, Martha, Martha. So Jesus isn't scolding her. He's, he's not rebuking her in anger but he is correcting her with truth. He is tender, but he's truthful. And he says, here's what's going on. You are anxious and troubled about many things. Now, look at those two words, anxious and troubled. Anxious means internal turmoil. It means stress. The word troubled here 
means that the stress has moved out of just being internal and now it's become external, you could say you're stressed out. <laughs> and I think we know the difference. There's stress where there's anxiety within and then the point where we're stressed out, it's affecting our behavior. We're agitated. That's what the Lord says. He says, Martha, Martha, you have become anxious over things that need to be done and now you are so agitated you can't focus on this moment. Now notice, it, the Lord said you are anxious and troubled about many things. And if you mark your Bible, I'm going to encourage you, maybe consider marking your Bible here. He says you are anxious and troubled about many things. But notice, verse 2, he says, your sister has chosen the one thing. <laughs> Connect those two. You are anxious and troubled about many things, many responsibilities. But your sister has chosen the one thing. You see, here's a lesson for us, brothers and sisters in the Lord. When we, when we are focused on many things in our life, when we are focused on many things in our life, we can become fretful about many things, anxious and troubled, and then, if we're not careful, we forget the most important thing. The most important thing we forget. And that is a message to us in this passage. Being concerned about many things can lead to us being fretful and anxious and agitated about many things so that we forget the one thing. And it is the one thing that overcomes the anxiety of the many things. The one thing is the answer. The one thing is what keeps us from the danger of the many things. What is that one thing? Well, that's the third truth I want you to see here in this passage. It is this tremendous commendation that the Lord makes. He commends Mary for something. He makes a tender correction to Martha, but he commends Mary for something that she has determined. Verse 42. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. Which will not be taken away from her. Now a couple things to notice here. Mary has made a choice. Mary is not carried away in an ecstatic emotion and she's just so overcome uh, with her feelings that she's not being logical. That's not the situation. Jesus says she has made a very conscious and deliberate choice. She's not oblivious. She is not oblivious to, that there needs to be a meal prepared. She's not a dreamy-eyed person who doesn't live in the real world. She recognizes the situation, but in this situation, she makes a priority decision. 
there are many things that she could be doing right now. She recognizes that. But there is one thing that's most important. And she makes that choice. Now notice, Jesus said this, she has chosen the good portion. Now, again, that's a tender rebuke to Martha. Because what's Martha thinking about? The meal. She's thinking about all the courses of the meal that have to be prepared. And Jesus uses a phrase about the meal. The good portion. The biggest portion. The most important thing of the meal. And Jesus says, your sister Mary sitting here has chosen for herself a spiritual meal. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying you are so concerned about the physical meal, you have not seen the importance of the spiritual meal that I am offering right now. You want to prepare me a meal, Martha, but I'm offering you a banquet. <laughs> and your sister Mary has made the choice to choose my food over the food that will be prepared. What he's saying, you could put it this way, Mary has chosen soul food, okay? She's chosen food for her soul. More important and valuable than making a meal to Mary is receiving a meal. That's what Jesus is saying. There will be time for making the meal. But right now, I am sharing a meal. And the most important thing is to be receiving this meal. And what did Mary receive? Listen carefully. Because she chose the spiritual meal, she received spiritual nourishment. She received nourishment for her soul, not just for a day. Not just nourishment for the rest of the day. What did Jesus say? Look at verse 42. She has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. My friend, listen to me. Whatever you receive from the Lord in worship is yours forever. It's yours forever. Not just for that day, but for the rest of your life. What the Lord gives to you is yours to enjoy and to serve for others the rest of your life. That's what Jesus is saying about Mary's choice. He says it will not be taken away from her. In choosing the Lord and choosing to sit, she is choosing personal worship. She's making a choice of personal worship as she sits at Jesus' feet and listens to his word. And guess what? Because she's making a choice to worship, she is being personally changed. She is being personally changed because of the personal choice she's made to worship. And I want us to see that in Mary's life. <laughs> because 
the story ends here. This, this account ends here. But I want you to see that the Lord was just not making a passing comment when He said that Mary was receiving something for her soul in this moment that would stay with her for the days and years ahead. I want you to see, it's a scene several months later. And if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn back to Mark. Just a few pages to Mark. And I want us to see another meal in Bethany. Martha again is serving. But at this meal, we find Mary again at Jesus' feet. But now it's a radically different moment. Jesus is having a meal with his disciples. It's just six days before the Passover when he will be offered as the Passover lamb. He's eating a meal in the home in Bethany of Simon. And Martha is there acting as hostess. And Mary, once again, comes to Jesus' feet. Now notice what happens. Verse 3 of Mark 14. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves, indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii. This is 300 days' wages in this perfume. Almost a year's work in value. It could have been given to the poor. They scolded her. They scolded this woman. Do you know who this woman is as you read other passages? This is Mary. She's scolded again for what she's doing. Breaking an alabaster flask of perfume and pouring upon Jesus. And here's Jesus response leave her alone verse 6 leave her alone why do you trouble her she has done a beautiful thing to me for you always have the poor with you and whenever you want you can do good for them but you will not always have me she has done what she could she has listen here's the key she has anointed my body beforehand for burial truly I say to you wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world what she has done will be told in memory 
of her. Now notice, this, listen carefully, is the result of the good portion. Because Mary chose in the midst of a busy life and responsibilities, because she chose to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to him, she received a spiritual meal that so touched her life and so changed her life that she was able to do what no one else did. She was able to understand what no one else understood and she expresses it here just a few days before Jesus' crucifixion and burial and resurrection. Here's what I want you to see in this passage. This is the inheritance of a worshiper. The inheritance of a worshiper. Do you remember what Jesus said? Mary has chosen that good portion. The portion, that's a word that can be used for a meal, but it's also a word used for inheritance. That one of the people in the family receives a bigger portion of the inheritance than others. He says that Mary has received an inheritance for her soul. It's the inheritance of a worshiper. What is the inheritance? What happens to someone who takes time to prioritize worshiping? Notice these treasures that are given to a person. And they are shown to us in Mary's life. Number one, she understood the invaluable worth of the Lord. Her value system was transformed. For her, a flask of the most precious perfume was nothing compared to the treasure of her Savior and her King. And gladly she would break and spill out the contents of this perfume pour it upon her Lord because he was so much more valuable. Her entire value system was changed. My friends, this is what happens to worshipers. Worshipers learn to value things differently than people who don't worship. People who worship the Lord and sit at his feet and listen to his word, they are granted the ability to see what really matters in life. They are kept from the foolish pursuit and the waste of life on things that does not matter. They come to see that what matters is Christ Jesus my Lord. And compared to him, everything else it's just rubbish, as Paul said. That's what happens to a worshiper. Their value system is so transformed that they see and they know the invaluable worth of Jesus. Secondly, Mary gained as her inheritance insightful wisdom from the Lord. She gained wisdom. 
while she was sitting at Jesus' feet. Listen carefully, brothers and sisters. While she was listening to Jesus carefully, she got it. She got what no one else got. Not one of the other disciples. Peter didn't get it. James didn't get it. John didn't get it. No one got it but this young woman who sat at Jesus' feet. She gained a wisdom. Nobody else. What was the wisdom that she gained? It's contained here in verse 8. She has done this beforehand for my burial. She has understood that Jesus has said, I am going to Jerusalem. I will be handed over to the authorities. I will be rejected. I will be crucified. I will be buried. And the third day I will rise again. She got this. And so before he enters Jerusalem, she anoints him for his burial because she alone knows that's what is going to happen at the end of this week. He will be crucified, buried, and rise again. And she's anointing him while he's alive. And my friend, you read the account of the resurrection of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus. There were many Marys that were there at the cross. There were many Marys that were there to anoint his body at the tomb. There were several Marys that were there at the resurrection scene. But not this Mary, because this Mary already understood in her heart what was going to happen. Wow. That's what you get sitting at Jesus' feet. You get wisdom that other people don't. Because you listen to the wise all wise one. The third inheritance that she received and worshipers received is an influential witness. An influential witness. Can you imagine what happened in that room of Simon the leper when she broke that flask of alabaster and that nard was poured upon Jesus. Imagine the aroma that filled that room. Imagine how it went through the windows and out into the courtyard and out into the street. This incredible aroma began to spread and spread. And friends, it is spreading until this very day because wherever the gospel, the story of Jesus has gone the last 2,000 years, the fragrance of this woman's offering has gone as a memorial to her. She is still influencing people. Her actions are still bearing fruit. People are still being touched by her life. And they're being, they're being motivated by her example. This woman has passed away, but she still lives. <laughs> and her influence lives on. The past three weeks here, in our auditorium, we have had three funerals for three of the most wonderful Christians you could ever know. And I knew all three of them. For over 30 years. Virginia Jacobs. Roy Sharp. Tom Walker. Virginia Jacobs. With her husband Gilbert. 
who started the Berean Bible Fellowship 30 years ago. Roy Sharp, one of our deacons for 30 years serving the Lord, our head usher most of those years. And Tom Walker, his service was yesterday here, his burial yesterday. He was one of the deacons that called me to come and speak as a young man at this church and, and recommended me to this church to become pastor. An incredible friend and a quiet giant all the years that I have been here. I think of these three people. Together, they have served the Lord in this church for over a hundred years. And I want to tell you something about Virginia Jacobs and Roy Sharp and Tom Walker. I knew them all and at the heart of their, their being, they were worshipers. Now they were workers. You could not outwork a Virginia Jacobs or a Roy Sharp or a Tom Walker. But they did not work out to earn favor with God. They worked out their salvation because they knew the Lord and they were worshipers and their worship called them to be very active workers. And they were people of joy and kindness and humility and great influence. Why? Because they were worshipers. I want to tell you, these three of our dear loved ones in our church, they've gone on. They're not dead. <laughs> They're still speaking. And the legacy of these will go on and on. And I believe to the very coming of the Lord Jesus. You see, the life of a worshiper is timeless. Some of us are living for retirement. Working for retirement. Working for the next goal in our business. And quite frankly, we're wasting our lives. There's nothing wrong with working for goals. There's nothing wrong for being very focused and deliberate in your actions as long as the many things don't become the one thing. And the one thing is to worship the Lord. Because that's what God is seeking Jesus told the woman at the well that God is seeking worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. They will worship the true God. They will worship Him in the true way. And they will serve Him with a true heart. That's what God is seeking. He doesn't need workers, but it's a blessing to work for Him. But God doesn't need workers what he desires is worshipers. And he makes people worshiping workers who in all of their activity never forget that the priority of their life is Jesus Christ. Time with the Lord is never wasted. Time with the Lord is always invested. We're all equal, my friends. Listen to me. Myself and everyone listening. You've got 168 hours in your week just like I do. 
It's how we prioritize those hours. Do we make the first portion above all things to make sure that we are worshipers and out of worshiping, we work and serve the Lord. May God help us to do that. I'm going to ask Jeff if he would come and we're going to sing and we're going to be reminded of this great God and His grace. But friends, would you just bow your heads for a moment, please? Please bow your heads, close your eyes and don't let this moment get away. Oh, my heart goes out that some are already distracted. Some are already moving away from the moment. This is the moment. It's not what Sam has said. What I have said does not matter unless it agrees with what the Savior says. And I've done my best to speak for the Lord. Will you hear His voice? What's He saying to you this morning? Father, I pray that as we take these moments of reflection and response, that we will pour out our praise. We will pour out our praise. Lord, how I thank you that you gave that song to Jeff to put into our worship experience this morning. Lord, I didn't know that, but you knew that. Mary poured out her praise in worship. And may, Lord, that always be our first priority to worship you now lord i pray that by your holy spirit that you will open our hearts so that we see by your grace the beauty of our lord and that we love him and worship him we know him and we serve him i pray for this in all of our lives in the name of jesus my lord and god's people said Amen.